Welcome to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I am honored to share with you the philosophy that has underscored my personal and professional life and explore how osteopathy truly is for the health of all things. I see these principles in action every day in my varied roles as physician, parent, athlete, writer, musician, coach, and entrepreneur, and hope they will light the way for the path to your best health. Please note that while I am a physician, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Thank you for joining me for episode 39 of season two of This Osteopathic Life. In the opening dialogue and descriptor, I mentioned the roles, and we talked about that a couple episodes ago in the concept around one. And the seven I list here are the paramount roles that I see in my life, but they are not the sum total. And I'd like to explore a few that have emerged over the course of the past year more significantly, and that were kind of adorned upon me this past weekend. And two significant events took place. And one of them was the hosting, the creation, implementation, the facilitation of an event called the Seasonal Success Symposium. And this was a gathering of women physician coaches from the Mastermind by Life Coaching for Women Physicians, of which I was a part over the course of the summer. And interestingly, noticing the alignment and when it happened and how it happened and what it coincided with, and perhaps coincidentally or totally intentionally, and not necessarily even anymore ironically, but of course, right? we've talked about of course as the path in the way of coaching. And I began in June, right? So we had June, July, and August, and really the mastermind wrapped up right as I launched my course. And it was a brilliant alignment because it was about preparing and learning how to launch and speak your message and find your way. And of course, it finalized in this moment. It culminated with me beginning my own course that would be 12 weeks long, of which I was then the teacher. And it was this beautiful segue. And what I loved most about the course was the learning, but superseding that was the connection. And the women with whom I was connected, from whom I learned, from whom I was inspired, the abilities, the creativity, the expansiveness that emerged there, and seeing it move beyond specialty. Right? And many were represented in that space, in many different styles of practice. You know, being in a hospital, being in solo private practice, being in a group practice, leading clinical practice, being an administrator. So many different opportunities arose, and yet there are these common threads of this desire to expand the reach and to speak a message more clearly and to be in service. And as the course concluded, we stayed connected. And what I noticed was week after week after week, I would see the amazing accomplishments of these women 
come up in social media feeds. I would get notifications of them. And I was continually inspired. And I thought, I've been a part of many group programs, right? Historically, if I look back on the courses that I've taken, and then in a greater concentration this year, as it has emerged as a theme, right? When conferences and courses are canceled in person, different iterations arise. And I thought, I want to celebrate and I want to share and I would like to make known right, that which is happening here because I get to see this in my feed and I don't know if others do. And what would it look like to bring this to the forefront and make it known to celebrate and to have a reunion of sorts? Because what I also remembered and noticed in the time between, right, so we had regular calls together and we would gather and we would share and we'd hear from one another directly. But when the course itself concluded, that specific piece did not, right? It was just simply not a part of what was happening. And I thought, man, I really just miss seeing these women. You know, yes, virtually, but still, right? Connecting in real time, verbally, face-to-face, seeing them even over video and considered it like a reunion. And I thought, well, celebrating successes, right? That's a key and core concept that I bring through in my course and that I see as a benefit personally, professionally for myself and with others. And so how can we celebrate success and what would be a fun gathering method? And so symposium emerged. And as you can imagine, if you've been with me, even for a few episodes, right? Number patterns, alliterations, you know, that's my favorite space to be. How creative can we get? And so seasonal success symposium, because it is over the classic holiday season and we're celebrating successes and it's this gathering and presentation. So symposium arose and I proposed it to the group and they all responded. Even amidst the busyness of their lives and those who couldn't participate were very clear and loving and supportive. And I thought even that, right, even that moment of proposing it, that was a victory, right? Even having the idea and putting the idea out into the world and then giving the idea some context. And I've been listening to The Art of Gathering by Priya Parker, which was featured on Unlocking Us, Brene Brown's podcast. Highly recommend it, both the podcast and the book itself. And noticing, right, that gathering is an art and creating clarity and a purpose and a designation for it. And so what I noticed was by getting clear on how we would gather and who would gather and the purpose of it, right, to highlight our successes, made it more accessible for all of us to understand. And it also offered me opportunity to get clarity on having a vision and taking it to a tangible way of being and a practical means of implementation. And so it began And that ability to celebrate success all along the way was so refreshing. And as it formed, and as we looked at dates and times and details, you know, it had structure, right? So the function was being created via the structure. And it was addressing the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. We had words of wisdom, right? So we were giving some tangible, practical thoughts and measures and tactical advice, really, And it also addressed spirit through the way of feelings. We offered coaching in the space 
We had expert panels, which brought in the experience. We had workouts, right? So we were engaged with our body in a variety of ways. And then it honored the self-healing. And it was so evident as each of these women gave their testimonial during the panels. It was so clear, the self-healing capacity. And when obstructions to health were removed, that that came through. And what I will say is, to be perfectly honest, I didn't consider this actively as an iteration of the osteopathic concept. And let me be clear that the osteopathic concept is always at play, right? For all of us, consciously, subconsciously, the concepts, if we look at them, body, mind, spirit, unity, whole person, health, healing, structure, function, it's there all the time. And what emerged for me, and really just as I sat down here to share this experience, is how beautifully illustrated it was, even without this overt attention or intention even there. Interestingly, the way the pragmatic pieces, right, some of the structure was building a site right, for people to go and to be able to enroll and to get access to the videos for the replay required a website landing page. And because I did formulate it, it was entitled This Osteopathic Life. Right? That was the opening credentials on that website. And a few times when I posted and I saw that, I was like, oh, is it? You know, does that make sense? Is that how it should be listed? And what so beautifully emerged was that yes, right? And not to necessarily be under the umbrella of a brand name. And there's that aspect, right? We look at this osteopathic life in a lot of different iterations, but more so to just emerge truly and organically as a beautiful representation of the concept in a very non-limited way, in a non-restrictive way, in simply a witnessing way, right? It was just this beautiful expression that when you're honoring the beauty and the health in the way here of the success of your peers and colleagues and mentors, it just paints that picture beautifully all on its own. And we could say yes, and the formulation of it, those concepts be them at play, right? In my subconscious, certainly. But what I love is, I will say without trying, and I want to be clear, there's effort involved, right? It was work to formulate all those pieces, but the essence of it was simply joy and curiosity and wonder and gratitude. And we've talked about synonyms throughout in life and power and health being interchanged, right? So moving away from these specific constructs of these words and concepts that we have, and instead just seeing, right, that when we're true to this purpose and the wholeness and the honoring and the connecting, health can't help but show up. And health actually is all around. We've been there. And I did get to watch Love Actually this weekend. And so that sentiment emerges even more vibrantly. But you can't keep it away. right? So however you want to frame it, health is there. And it's going to bubble up and it's going to boil over. And it's going to emerge and cover you with waves 
have that goodness. And I had the great honor and privilege to be host of this event, to introduce my colleagues, to engage in questions, and to welcome others into the space. And the participants who were able to be there, right? Some were being exposed to coaching in its iteration for the first time ever. Some were in coach training and bringing this experience forward to inspire. Some had been considering what the role of coaching might play in their lives, and they had the opportunity to see this. And that was brilliant. And I appreciate very much the participants. And there are different ways, right? This could be made known to others. This experience was recorded. It exists. And the ultimate purpose, again, was that reunion and the celebration of success. And that 100% happened. And that was so powerful. And even just for me to be able to be there, both as the host, but also as a witness, right? I got to hear these words of wisdom and from the expert panels and to participate in the workouts, And so I had the renewal piece, right? I was invited to see and experience my own self-healing in that space. And so what I'd like to consider and encourage you to consider is how the osteopathic concept can't help but come through. And think about something that you've loved recently. For example, I hosted a dance party Also via Zoom and DJing using YouTube and fading in and out with just my little volume button on my computer, having my family dance on a different floor in our house as participants and so much joy, right? Let's look there. Mind, body, spirit, absolutely. Self-healing, like let's come together in the time of COVID, structure and function. You know, I had to put some pieces together. I had to make the invite and put the playlist and bring that forward and that made this functional event. And right, it was a gathering with a purpose. So it was at a certain time. It was for a certain cohort of people, recognizing those who often answer my question of the day. It had a duration and it had music, right? So dancing was the ultimate purpose. And so what's something you've enjoyed recently? And look at the details of it, right? What are the criteria that came up? And let's look at them not as rules, but as invitations and clarifications and honest means of active engagement. And so what is it about it that you enjoyed? And can you see, as this post-event reflection, right, as this analysis, and not to take the fun out of it with analysis, but really with the curiosity and wonder of which, if any of those tenets emerged, Did you notice engagement of body, mind, and spirit or nurturing of those? Recognition, acknowledgement. Were all of those seen, heard, experienced, noticed there? Was there structure that optimized the function or vice versa? Was there a specific functional purpose? And could you see how structure supported that? And what was the impact on your own self-healing capacity? And notice that that can take on a lot of ways, shapes, and forms. It doesn't necessarily have to be the healing of a wound, right? Literal, physical, energetic, spiritual, emotional wound. 
It doesn't have to be the shifting of a disease process, though that's totally possible. Right In this time, we're looking for how we can recover, where we have kind of the COVID long haulers and inviting self-healing for that, totally viable and purposeful. But self-healing can also just look like right time for oneself and space for oneself and expansiveness for oneself. And so notice, and something you enjoyed recently, that very likely wasn't planned intentionally to highlight the osteopathic concept that those were there and that when joy was a key factor, and we have talked about joy in its many iterations, and I do not mean right that bubbly, superficial, fragile, temporary joy. I do mean this all-encompassing, the joy that holds space for all other feelings. And that's a beautiful concept to hold. That in saying you had joy doesn't mean right there wasn't frustration, even in the midst of the dance party. Right? My kids went a little crazy and there was some maintenance and I was on camera the whole time and I couldn't mute because my computer was playing the music. And so there was some constraint, there's some frustration that was being managed, but the joy didn't go away and the joy had space for it. And so what is it that you enjoyed recently? And if you're more comfortable with that, just simply enjoyed it than had a joy. And I'm with you because it's taken me time to get there to really allow and embrace joy in all its ways, shapes, forms, and capacities. Share with me, if you would, how you see one tenant or all of them really come through and how you see the health emerge. So that was one of the two events this weekend. And that was two four-hour days. What I also want to acknowledge is that my family gave me the space for that. And my family supports me amazingly, right? unconditionally. And they didn't bat an eye at this request for these two four-hour days. And one, they evacuated the house entirely and had a beautiful day out at the lakeshore. And I so appreciate that. And the next day they were here and we navigated the space well together. And so big gratitude to my children, to our furry creatures, and especially to my husband for making that possible because this space mattered. They held that for me and with me. And then the other was, I'll say the conclusion of the initial year, because it's not the finalization of anything really, but the invitation to launch of the Osteopathic Health Policy Fellowship. And this has been a more than year long process, unintentionally, but in a means of adaptation to the requirements of this time. And so if you have been with me, August 2019, I began the journey into the Osteopathic Health Policy Fellowship, and it began interestingly. So I applied, and this is a program I had investigated for years. I've had colleagues completed and recommended. I thought, I don't know. And then I decided just to put my hat in the ring, right? So I submitted an application. And to be perfectly honest, I wasn't entirely sure what to expect But at the time of the previous presidential election, 2016, for the first time, I thought I would like to be more involved or at least aware of politics and policy and even considered my role in engaging in either of those, both of those in a local or broader scale. And 
in that early phase of 2019, because the application went in early in the year, maybe even end of 2018, but it was in that time frame. And I thought, okay, let me see. And what I was really enticed by, to be perfectly honest, was the opportunity to travel to the different colleges of osteopathic medicine across the country into Washington, D.C. multiple times. As you can imagine, a health policy fellowship would include the nation's capital and our houses of government. And I also knew right, that my sister lives there, and so it would be an opportunity to engage and gather. And I was accepted, and the timeline shifted. So the timeline that existed when I applied was then different when we were accepted, and there was a conflict. And it took place, opening weekend, you know, orientation, which was five days long, took place over my mother's 80th birthday celebration. And as you can imagine, that was a big deal. It had been planned many, many months in advance. It was a surprise for her and it was a non-negotiable. And it almost became a deal breaker because active and live participation was also a non-negotiable, especially at orientation for the fellowship. But because right, that I had applied at a time when I didn't have a conflict with the schedule as it had been published, I made my case because originally they said, if you can't make it, you know, let's postpone until next year. And I said, I really would like to do this, but I understand. And here's the thing, you know, I've had this planned and here's how I can make it work. I can come to the first two days. I need to return, right, for the party. And then I can come back for the concluding day. So I would miss about a day and a half of the orientation. And there was some measured response. And to be clear for anyone who is considering this, you know, that was a very special circumstance and I share it for the appreciation of the opportunity and also for clarity that, you know, adjustments were not made, but simply it was because, right, of that original shift in the calendar. And so we made that happen. And now looking back, I am so grateful because, right, there wouldn't be the start of the next class because of all of the tumult of this year. And so it began and... I attended that first session and thankfully, right, the grace of it was that the initial session was within driving distance of my mother's home. And that wasn't the case because the meetings were all over the country. But that one, right, by the the grace of the moment and the wisdom of the universe made it possible. So I could optimize it, even though it wasn't ideal and perfect, it was optimal. And I was able to engage. And I loved it. I loved being in a new space. That first one was in Columbus and being in these new cities, seeing different colleges of osteopathic medicine, hearing from peers in all different stages of their practice with different perspectives and having these program directors and the amazing Dr. Barbara Rossley, the founder of the program who opened it up. I thought, okay, yes, like I'm here for a reason. This is the time. And the details of it were not yet clear, but I knew it. And I started writing daily that petered out and finding that appropriate, right? Like the minimum effective dose of writing daily was a big chunk to bite off, but I enjoyed doing it in the beginning. And then I found a a different rhythm that emerged. And then like the year it shifted, but we had our assignments and we went away and then we reconvened and we went to Philadelphia and I really had not been to Philadelphia. I had been through Pennsylvania and you know, I've been in different towns, but not really in the city itself to, to walk around and enjoy and emerge 
and immerse myself. And interestingly, the Philadelphia College of Osteopathic Medicine was one that I considered after having already been accepted to Michigan State's College of Osteopathic Medicine and even wrote a letter (laughs) to ask to be transferred because I had lived in England in the year that I had deferred. And I thought, oh, I really like cities, you know, and in kind of the more historical aspect of this college. And that was declined. They said, that's not how the application process works, but thank you for the letter. And so it didn't come to fruition. And I've had this more, you know, East Coast, New England lingering sentiment in my heart. And so I love that opportunity. And my sister from DC, because of that micro scale of the East Coast, was able to come and visit me. And so I got to run along the Schuylkill River and see the rowers and be in one of our original colleges of osteopathic medicine and see my sister and the Liberty Bell and eat delicious food. And I loved it, right? And so it was almost on this monthly dosing that I was getting to travel because it was 10 weekends out of the year. And then we traveled again and it was to DC for this extended weekend. And that would be right now, right? So this coming weekend, around the 14th of the month, as we were in DC. And I just have to say that was epically amazing. You know, the content and the experts and being in the nation's capital in a different way with this perspective on what's happening. You know, who are the health decision makers here and what does it look like to be involved in policy? And then to just be in DC on foot. You know, so my sister has lived there since I was eight. So I've been to the greater DC area hundreds of times. And I've been in a lot of parts of it, but never staying by myself, right? So I stayed in the city and walked around and I walked so much. And I walked and found Dolceza Gelato and I had access to a gym and I completed different rowing challenges and I loved every minute of it in so much as I thought, okay, some point in my life, I am going to live directly in a city and who knows when, right? But that's on the docket. Loved it. And got to spend my time with my sister and a classmate from school and experienced frigidness in DC. And also seeing those physician leaders, I thought, okay, right? Like that's possible. And these weren't necessarily elected positions, right? So I also saw that there are different ways to work in policy that don't necessarily mean political office. And this may seem obvious to many, but it really opened my eyes to the potential. And there's the invitation, right? Maybe D.C. can be the city where someday we reside. Not anytime soon, right? We're not going there now (laughs) for those who follow our trajectory. But the intrigue was there. The seed was planted. The possibilities emerged. And we took a little pause. And then we went to Arizona. And what a contrast. Like we went from these kind of initial institutions of osteopathic medicine to some of the more brand new and really innovative curriculum ways they're engaging and sending students all over the country and on-site and clinical learning and seeing the possibility and meeting new colleagues, new to me. And similarly there, getting to walk around a city, very different experience, right? Walking around the greater Phoenix area, very different, right? Than navigating by foot Philadelphia and Washington, D.C. And what an opportunity to see the tapestry of our country, And I really enjoyed that. And I honestly do love flying in hotels. And I recognize challenges around the carbon footprint and long-term viability there. But I'm just going to honor it and be grateful for it. And the reading that happens on planes 
and the special places in certain airports. I just, I do love it. And then March. And March was the fifth, right? So it was the halfway point. It was five out of the 10 sessions. And we were in Texas. And I had traveled four consecutive weekends, February into March. And I'm really grateful that I did. So now I realize that dosing, right, was kind of topping me up for what was to come in the rest of the year. In March, there was that moment because this is where COVID was in the news and we thought, are we moving into you know lockdown measures? And many of us were thinking like, we just traveled here on planes and I even rerouted my flight home to avoid Seattle, which was becoming a hotspot at that time. And I loved that. I got to see a dear friend that I hadn't seen in many years while in Texas and same thing, found the places to run, you know, found the gyms to visit and favorite food places to navigate on foot and just had time to myself and you're here and here, right? So my family's making space for me always in these ways and allowing me to be away when I'm away and home when I'm home. And that is an epic gift for which I'm eternally grateful. And so in March, we received our assignments for the conclusion of the year, which was meant to go until December. We had trips to West Virginia and into Detroit and Maine and DC again and Minnesota. And ironically, right, or of course, they were all destinations where I had very dear people to me, family and friends. And then the world shut down and travel discontinued. And so interestingly, these virtual sessions that had long been avoided for the purpose of connection, like most things, became required. If we were to continue, it was to be virtual. And we had you know trajectories to meet in person and it just, it wasn't to be. And so because we couldn't have these intensives, we had smaller meetings more frequently over an extended interval to capture you know the similar experience. And so that lasted until this weekend, until yesterday, Sunday, the 6th of December. And we met and really first time for all of us to be together because we had different iterations of people who weren't available. And we gave our presentations, we give health policy briefs. And Dr. Ross Lee was present and our program directors, Dr. Skinner and Dr. Feely were there. And we did it. Right, you could see the growth in the way we spoke about things and the way we connected and offered feedback. And I still can say that I don't know exactly what I'm going to do, but I know this was exactly the thing for me to do this year, even in its form, maybe especially in its form, to notice that while I loved it right, for the travel, and I almost let that supersede at times the other piece, that I loved it for the content and for the experience and for the connections and for the mentorship and for the awareness of what I don't know and how much there is yet to learn around health policy, especially in this time and how many opportunities there are to participate. And so I'm very much encouraged. And like I said, it's not the conclusion. It's very much a beginning. It is very much seeds planted that will grow and be harvested for years and decades. And what I love about it is an alumni collaboration has emerged because this was the 25th year. So we were an anniversary class for the fellowship. And so there are 25 years, right, of generally 10 fellows per class with which we now gather and create action plans and see what we can do and move this forward in a meaningful way. 
and I'm so grateful to have been part of this unique class, and that it did mean I had an extended interval with my classmates. And so here we are in 2020, in the final month, and some very significant moments for me happening this weekend and expanding so that I am host and I am health policy fellow and I am stepping into myself fully and it's not a completed sentence. There are going to be endless commas and I welcome that. Not from a space of lack of constraint, but from noticing that when I tuck in and say yes and participate, so much opens up. And no's are powerful too. We talked about that last time. But seeing that this emergence is totally possible. And so I invite you to consider what happened this year in a way that seemed very imperfect. I very much missed the travel, but it definitely unfolded perfectly to demonstrate for me that it wasn't the travel that made the course. It was the content and the connection and the opportunity. And for the symposium, that it wasn't necessarily the outward reach, but it was the ability to celebrate success and connection, had that reunion. And so what actually happened in the most perfect way that looks very imperfect on the surface or on how you might have planned it. And how can we celebrate the conclusion of this year as very much an invitation in the planting of seeds for so much more to come? This is Dr. Millie Beeky with This Osteopathic Life. Thank you for listening.